It's trade deadline day for the Indiana Pacers. Let's talk some perspective and strategy for the Pacers heading into today. What's the key things to know about this team heading into the day? We'll do one last rumor roundup, looking at every player I could find with credible connections to the Pacers in this trade season. At the end, we'll talk Pacers heat and Benedict Matherin's very low amount of minutes in Miami, all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today... I look down at my computer screen. It's February 9th. For me, it's February 9th. For you, it's probably the 9th, although you could be listening later. That means it's trade deadline day for me right now. About 14 hours from the deadline. I always have to date the times of these shows because between me recording and me waking up from sleeping, so much could happen. I wait really long in the day to record these so I don't miss anything just in case. Um, for the timing right now, this is actually significant for the Pacers. Jakob Pertle has been traded from the Spurs to the Raptors for Kim Birch, a first and two seconds is the reported deal. Raptors in 10th in the East Pacers after losing to Miami tonight in 12th. We'll do a show talking about how a bunch of trades impact the Pacers, just like we did with the Kyrie run earlier this week. Uh, later on after the deadline, but that kind of sets the scene. Today is the day everyone has, has kind of, the chips have fallen as they are. There's, you know, few games on Thursday. It's time, and the Pacers are no different. Trade time is here. Pacers will be 25 and 31 for trade season. It's at 12th in the East. And that's where I want to start this show is perspective because everybody is, you know, the, the, so Rick Carlisle said the following. I'm going to talk about why I'm talking like this first. Rick Carlisle was asked before the Pacers played uh, the Cavs on Sunday about kind of what this week is for him, the Pacers, the players, all sorts of stuff, because guys get stressed when they're in rumors. There's a big human element, elephant in the room to this. And Rick Carlisle said, this is quite simply a dynamic business. The possibility of being traded is a part of it. And then specifically on the Pacers, he said, if you're asking me if I anticipate anything happening, I always say it's very doubtful. I wrote a piece about this, put it up, and people were they're kind of like, what? You know, what? what? That doesn't make sense. Pacers need to be active or, you know, same old Pacers... One, they were really active last year, so I don't get the same old Pacers things. But two, I don't think that that, that's, that perspective kind of surprised me. I get that people like trades and people think teams need X, Y, Z. But like the Pacers are four months, four months into their current era of their team. I'm not saying they don't need to ch make changes or make upgrades if they can, especially if the right deal is out there. They should absolutely do it. But this like right this second, something has to happen. They need to do all these things right this now. It's like. <laughs> relax. I don't think that that is the right perspective for the Pacers to have. I think that what they were talking about in the off season, when Kevin Pritchard said they have this new approach and he's been studying um, other countries that, that take hundred year approaches to their country's growth. And he said, we're not thinking year to year anymore or two years, you know, we're thinking long term now. And yes, even he said that there were so he's surprised by how he's talking about the team now part of the way into the season, but you don't go into a season with a long-term plan and go just over 500 and go, yep, we're ready to change everything. And I think it's important for fans and everyone looking at this Pacers trade deadline to remember that, that everything the Pacers do will be under this approach of making sure they maximize their ceiling long-term 
And if they if that means they go and get the exact right upgrades they need right now or do all these dramatic things that everybody's clamoring for, apparently, then maybe that makes sense for them. It depends on the context of the deal. But I don't think the Pacers need to rush things in a way that that Carlisle quote should be so surprising or change the all, all this perspective of what the Pacers could do. The deal I think that I thought of that should be should have been off the table for the Pacers this year and likely will be is what the Knicks just did earlier today, right? Josh Hart to the Knicks, uh, Cam Reddish, two minimum salary guys and a protected first round pick to the Blazers, right? That's good for the Knicks. They're in seventh and they're trying to win right now. They just spent a bunch of money on Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle's an all-star. They they are all the stuff for their infrastructure says they're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to win playoff series is they trade for Josh Hart, even if it's a rental. The Pacers aren't in a position to do things like that. If there's no wing or four or forward or better fitting piece available for the Pacers at a price that makes sense, they shouldn't do it right now. They should use their assets strategically at the best time for them to get pieces that fit their team long term. And I, I think that the thing I come back to that I didn't say on yesterday's show talking about, you know, uh, their, their directions and or excuse me, with Rhett talking about their directions and, you know, yesterday's show talking about the storylines. And the thing I come back to a lot is Tyrese Halliburton is 22. Benedict Matherin is 20, 20 years old. This is a young, young team. And I think the fact that they went 25 and 30 or 23 and 18 in the halfway point, but they're 25 and 31 now, which is a fine record better than everybody thought. Everybody thought kind of got everybody sucked in in a way that made everybody think they need to do this big thing, get this awesome impact player right now. I don't think that's the case at all. And, and if, again, if that player is available or if there's someone really good out there that they can get at a great price or someone under contract for a long time, who's young, the kind of Kevin Pritchard MO trade that he's made, Several times in his tenure, Brogdon, Warren, Oladipo, Sabonis, go on and on with that. Halliburton last year, can't even skip over that. Jalen Smith, to a lesser extent, he wasn't really under team control. Either way, the MO of this current regime, they can do that, and it makes sense for them long-term, sure. But that doesn't necessarily seem like something they should be tripping all over themselves to do at this point in the rebuild, unless the price is right. And the Pacers are very good about smart trades. I think that's the best trait of this current front office is trades. And so I am looking forward to seeing what they do, but I am surprised at kind of the, the stunned reactions to Carlisle saying that, you know, he doubts anything happens. I don't think he necessarily means like we're not doing anything, but um, I was very surprised at those reactions. I kind of thought, and when I discussed yesterday, the big storylines for the Pacers, a salary dump into their space, you know, a backup big, like those are not significant deals. Isn't that kind of what everybody thought was coming? I think that is still what the reminder should be going into the days. Even the big Pacer storylines are more about the minor things, right? Using your cap space productively to get more assets that help your team in the future when you're ready to make the big move and leap into contention or uh, moving your draft assets into an order or year that makes more sense for your team as it's currently constructed or you know, uh, all sorts of things. Moving away from a player at a log jammed position to either open a roster spot or get a small piece that you can use in the future. You get the idea. I just ran through some of the same stuff I talked about yesterday, but none of those things are earth shattering things that Rick Carlisle is going to go up there and go, yeah, we, we, you know, we might do something like last year. They were very upfront with us. They had that conversation with Sabonis and Turner and Brogdon and Levert. Like, yeah, we're changing directions. You guys will be potentially in trade conversations. Everybody kind of knew something was coming. Levert was one of the first guys traded kind of in the trade season this year. I don't expect it to be like that. And I think that perspective is needed by a lot of people who have kind of 
gotten lost in the sauce of a good start for the Pacers. Halliburton's an all-star. They're closer to contending than anyone thought they would be before the season started, including some internally. Based on how Kevin Pritchard said, I'm surprised I'm standing here today talking like this compared to how I thought I'd be talking five months ago, right? Even internally, I think there's some level of surprise. They called it a new era before the season started. You can't just get a new era and it's surprising and then go for it right away. They didn't even do that in 2017-18 with Oladipo and Sabonis. That team was a five seed in their first year, and they didn't even make big trades at the deadline that year. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline that year. So we'll see what they ultimately end up doing. Of course, we'll cover it here on Lockdown Pacers, but I think people need the perspective and remember where this team is at and where it's actually heading. They're 12th in the East right now. They're closer to 13th in the playoffs. Their two core, obvious core guys are 22 and 20. Keep those in your head. Keep the long-term approach in your head as you consider what the Pacers do. Speaking of what the Pacers do, since it's the first segment... If stuff happens today in the next 14 hours, here's how this will work on Lockdown Pacers. There'll be a quick 15 to 20 minute-ish minute podcast instant reaction. Here's what happened, the lead up to it, what it means now. And then there'll be a second show tomorrow breaking down everything that happened. If there's multiple trades stringing it all together, if there's just one, a big breakdown. And then next week, there'll be you know breaking down the new player, how they fit, how they've looked so far, all sorts of stuff to kind of tie it up and tie it all together. There's a lot to go with. And one of my favorite shows is the What Did Every Other Team Do? How does that impact the Pacers? Of course, the uh, Save It for the All-Star Break. But the what else can the Pacers still do from a team-building perspective this season? There's a lot to come post-deadline. But keep all this stuff I just said in mind with the deadline coming. One more segment on trade stuff before the deadline. Let's do a rumors roundup to close out trade season. Every player that I have either had crossed my desk from a report from someone else, you know, just in general, the, what the rumors and reports have said about what the Pacers could be doing. We'll talk about those and the guys that have been mentioned on the Pacers as potential targets by other teams, just to keep everybody refreshed heading into the final day. Before we do that, though, let me talk to you guys about FanDuel this year. The only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Do you think it'll be Jalen Hurts? Do you think it'll be Pat Mahomes or someone else? FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and easy to use. If you want to do that, and best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen Hop on over to Locked on Suns because, holy cow, in between me recording that first segment and me talking right this second, if you're listening, the Suns just traded for Kevin Durant. Uh, I can't believe it. This timing is insane. Uh, TJ Warren, former Pacer on the move, apparently back to Phoenix, where it all started for him. Crazy deal. You can hear all about that on Locked on Suns or Locked on Nets. Turn Locked on Pacers, though. Let's talk about the Pacers rumor roundup. One last time, get the names through your head that have been floated out there as either a potential Pacers target or a potential target for teams dealing with the Pacers potentially. I don't do this very much because 
I don't like just saying, here's a rumor that was said. Does they, This is dumb. Like any name can be a rumor at any time. The Pacers situation a month ago isn't what it is now. It's always so dynamic that I hate just being like, this is a player's name that someone else said. You know, it, But now is the time to do it, especially with the deadline being so close and Kevin Durant now being in the Western Conference. Holy smokes, is that a trade? Um, for the Pacers, there's been a couple names that have been most floated very often. Very often is a stretch. No one's been floated very often. But I think the most common two names connected in, in Pacers reports, maybe just one, is John Collins. Uh, multiple outlets have have at one point or another said John Collins is available from Atlanta. The Pacers are one team interested. He does fit the MO of under contract for a long time, and he's a power forward, right? Two things the Pacers have been rumored to want, things Kevin Pritchard uh, has has gone for in the past in terms of contractually. That said, a little overpaid. They passed on him in the draft a few years ago. Um, may, maybe that makes sense if they don't have to give up much of anything to get him, but I don't think at this stage of time the Pacers will be tripping all over themselves to offer him a ton of money or, or assets to get a guy like that, but that's one of them out there. Uh, another one from The Athletic was Jalen McDaniels of the Charlotte Hornets. That's an interesting one. I think he from an age perspective, is a good fit. He's on a minimum deal, a good player, but his contract's also expiring. So that's one that if it's a minor asset to get a rental, maybe the Pacers would do that to see how a natural four fits in their system. They could renegotiate and extend his deal before the end of the month if they really wanted to get him. Maybe that's a cheapo way to do it. P.J. Washington with the Hornets has been connected to the Pacers in the past. I don't think there was any reports connecting them. I think there was a perhaps this makes sense from Yahoo, but not an actual connection. Um, but if they do go after someone like McDaniels, maybe they'd look to extend him during the season. There's a lot of ways that could go. He is a good player, and he would fit pretty well, but they run the risk of the expiring contract. Does that make a lot of sense? The big name amongst fans, I think, and I think this connection was made once in uh, or twice, excuse me, in Yahoo by Jake Fisher and in uh, Mark Stein's newsletter, The Stein Line. Uh, today, OG Ananobi from the Raptors. Uh, that's going to be super expensive, and that is one that if the Pacers were still sixth and were clicking on all cylinders and looked like they could make the playoffs now, and their timeline should definitely be pushed forward. Maybe you think about going after you know two years of OG Ananobi. Right now, that's kind of risky. You don't know if he's going to fit great. He could leave after next season. They, of course, could look to renegotiate and extend him in the offseason if they do acquire him. So that is certainly an appeal. Um, and he is very talented, right? If they, if you can get him for the right price, you go after a guy like that. He has fit exactly what the Patriots have needed for years and years and years. I'm not exactly sure if the Pacers would consider something like that at this stage. But again, if they can get him for the right price, very talented player. You always go get talented players when the timing is right. And two different outlets have reported his interest. The Raptors did just trade for Jakob Pertl, like I said at the top of the show. And ironically, that seems like a trade where you'd say, oh... They're going for it or they're trying to be better. They moved up to 10th in the East tonight, but they all now have to pay Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Jakob Pertl this coming offseason. They kind of can't pay all those guys unless they move off of some money from one of them or someone else. So I would not consider the Raptors done at this stage. We'll see. Um, that is just me guessing. That is not me reporting anything, but I the, the cap, follow the money. That is sometimes a good way to see what teams are doing, and the Raptors seem ripe for another move. So maybe if, if OG Ananobi becomes available for the right price, the Pacers could swoop in on something like that. But we will ultimately see what happens there. Uh, another one, Obi Toppin, reported from uh, Sean Devaney and Heavy uh, from the Knicks. He did not get dealt in the Josh Hart trade. Josh Hart went to the Knicks earlier today. A couple pieces went to the Blazers. Obi Toppin's good, 24, really athletic, four. And I think uh, the theme of this, there's one more player on this list. They're all forwards, right? 
that was in Yahoo specifically in Jake Fisher's reporting about the Pacers' potential trade deadline operations was they won a four. They've won a four for forever. They haven't had a really good forward since Thad Young, especially on the defensive end of the floor. They need someone who can do that. Obi Toppin's pretty good. He would fit well with Tyrese Halliburton. He's shooting better this year. Doesn't play that much with the Knicks. If they could get him, I don't think he'd be a ridiculously expensive guy to get. Uh, if they could get him for like the Cavs or the Celtics pick, or maybe even you think about both, um, that'd be a good fit. He's a good player on a rookie scale deal, so lots of team control. A very Pacers-y target if he actually is available, but the Knicks have some tax concerns that makes that one a little scary. The last one, this one came today from... Um, from Scotto, Mike Scotto in Hoopside. Matisse Steibel with the Sixers. I talked about the Sixers on yesterday's show. A very, very interesting one because uh, they're, they're over the tax barely. They're certainly going to dump someone to get under it. Steibel could be one of those guys in the last year of his rookie deal. Amazing defender, kind of terrible offensive player. Good experiment piece for the Pacers, right? Can you get a zero offensive guy to be good with Halliburton, to be good on the defensive end? That would make a lot of sense to me if the Pacers could pull that one off. I think he's a good player with team control. And I think any power forward or any forward in general from the Yahoo report is interesting to know. The move off of the guys on the Pacers that I've seen reports about from people that I would consider credible uh, from their sourcing in the past. Yahoo, Jake Fisher has two of these. One of them was quote, Chris Duarte being quote, made available, unquote. Um, I still don't think that makes sense for the Pacers. His value is lower than it's ever been, and it won't get any lower going into the summer to me unless he has a terrible injury or completely craters the end of the season. He was pretty good defensively tonight in Miami. He seems like someone they shouldn't trade to me, especially at this stage of their rebuild when they're trying to evaluate guys. But I suppose I understand with the way he's kind of struggled to fit in this season. It would not be my first move if I'm the Pacers unless I get blown away by an offer for this guy. If you can get the same value back for a guy you drafted now that you've kind of pivoted completely, I suppose I would understand, although it wouldn't be what I would do. The other thing in Jake Fisher's thing, uh, piece from about a month ago now, uh, the most likely big to be traded, he said, was Goga Batadze. That makes all the sense in the world. His deal's expiring. He has no path to playing time with this franchise. If the Pacers can get anything of value for him, I feel like they should take it. And even if they can dump him for nothing, they might consider it just because it would help him potentially get somewhere where he could play more. We'll see what even happens. If he's on the team after the trade deadline, it wouldn't stun me if the Pacers and Batadze look to find some sort of, I don't know, waiver buyout, whatever, so he could go somewhere where he'd actually play. But if he wants to stay or if it makes sense for him to stay, if there's minutes here, I don't know. That's just me guessing given where his career is at at this stage in time. The Athletic reported um, in in Shams Tarani's report about Miles Turner um, and Pacers opening contract extension talks that rival teams have, quote, expressed interest, unquote, in Buddy Heald. Look, Buddy Heald's a veteran. If the Pacers move off of him, it would make some sense. They're a younger team. He also fits very well with them, shoots the ball very well, and is close with Tyrese Halberton. Maybe you keep that guy, but he would be great on a lot of contenders. We'll see where that actually ends up taking him and the Pacers. Very fascinated to see what they end up doing today. And again, like I said, we'll have it all here, the instant reactions, what it means, what led to it, all sorts of stuff. And we'll continue to break down what every trade around the league means because the Nets got a lot worse today with this Kevin Durant trade. I can't believe this. I can't believe I just talked about all that stuff while not looking at my phone, which now has, uh, oh my, 22 Twitter notifications of a Kevin Durant to Phoenix trade that just happened. I hope I'm breaking this news for at least one person on the show today. That would be quite funny to me. Let's close today out with our last pre-trade deadline topic that isn't about trades. The Pacers loss in Miami tonight. They fall to the heat and the story of the game among many things, two big things stand out. The way the Heat defend Halliburton, they're better at it than anybody in the league. 
Benedict Matherin's minutes. What? 13 and a half for the rookie. Even if he didn't play well, that's way too low. Let's talk about what went down in South Beach to close out today's show. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Lakers. They traded Russell Westbrook. They really did it, and it wasn't to the Pacers. It was a cra- it's been a crazy week in the NBA. Everybody always does this every year. This is a rant for me. Everybody says, oh, it's going to be a boring, quiet deadline. First of all, who cares? Trades or no trades should not influence your interest in the NBA. Everybody always says, it's going to be a boring deadline. And there's always something big that happens that no one sees coming. Don't, don't, don't say it's going to be a boring deadline. Something fun and interesting always happens to think about. And something surprising always happens. Chris Tapps Porzingis got dealt out of nowhere last year. Now, the entire Nets team has completely exploded. Russell Westbrook got dealt. It's nuts. Um, let's talk about basketball because this is a podcast about a basketball team. Uh, the Pacers played a game in Miami tonight. They lost to the Heat 116-111. I think the Heat just kind of have the Pacers number. And that's because Eric Spolster is a defensive genius. The Pacers beat them twice this year. They won by two, and they won by three on a buzzer beater, or close to buzzer beater by Halliburton. Uh, They barely have been able to score in those games. This 111 was tied for their highest output against this Heat team. They shot 45% from three, made 15 threes. They almost shot 50% from the field. They only turned it over 11 times, and they lost because the Heat defense is so hard for this Pacers team to crack. They cannot just break it down. They... Tyrese Halberton struggles to see it a little bit. They do a really good job of shrinking the floor. That's something the Raptors got notoriously named for. It's like you're just kind of a little higher in the gap so so people can't see the passes or w- see the moves that are obvious. It's harder to drive sometimes if guys are ready to help. And that pressure on Halberton's tough for the Pacers to deal with, and it certainly was in this game. Halberton had nine assists in the first half. He finished with 10. The Heat adjusted really well to how he was impacting the game, and he couldn't find his shots. He only took eight, right? And he always talks about in these kind of games, I've got to be more aggressive. He couldn't find it, and that is something that he'd have done well. They held him to one point earlier this season. Only seven times this season has Tyrese Halliburton been held under 12 points in a game, two of them against Miami. Pacers are 3-11 and 11 now when Halliburton scores less than 16. Clearly, there is value to limiting him both in volume and point total. Uh, and the Heat have figured out the formula of how to do it better than any team in the league. That is Eric Spolster's best quality as a coach to me. I talked about this on yesterday's show. Previewing the game, their defense is awesome. Pacers would have to shoot really well to win like they did right before Christmas. They shot pretty well, but not quite really well. And it cost them. I put in air quotes. They shot 15 for 33. That's still good. Uh, but the Heat are just an awesome team. And they're a really tough matchup for the Pacers. Also, because Bam and Jimmy are fantastic at drawing fouls, the Pacers are a foul-heavy team. Those two combined for 22 foul shots. Some of them a little touchy on Jimmy Butler. Uh, Heat take 39 free throws in this game. They hit 36 of them. That played a huge factor because the Pacers did pretty well in the possession battle could have been a little bit better. Certainly uh, the, the offensive rebounds really helped the heat, but they were pretty good at not turning it over. They shot the ball better from the field and from deep, right? They did enough stuff efficiency wise, pace wise to stay in this game. It was a little slower pace, which I don't think the Pacers like, but the way they played in general was fine. They got enough good looks, right? Everyone on their bench, except for Matherin shot over 50%. Most of their starters shot at least reasonably well, right? A lot of stuff. The Pacers did well in this game, is stuff they'll be happy about. Miles Turner was fantastic. He had 21 points and 10 rebounds. Buddy Heald hit six threes, four twos, three free throws. He had seven rebounds. He had 29 points. But they had a lot of guys who were awesome in this game. They ha- they have a formula that works against the Heat. It's just really hard for the Pacers to play their game against Miami. And that was evident for a lot of this game because the game flow 
was really weird. And this has been the Pacers' problem for forever and ever. They entered the night last in the NBA in, in, in first quarter net rating. And I, I feel like I go over that so much with this team. They solved it for a little bit, right? Mid-December to Tyrese Halberton's injury. They figured out their slow starts. They were starting games better. They have been horrible about that in the last couple of weeks, even with Halberton's return. In this game, it was 9-9, and the next thing you knew, it was 29-13. to The Heat were up 16 in the first quarter, and then the Pacers slowly but surely came all the way back, took their own lead, and then the Heat went on a 22-9 run to close the third and just got, ended the game from that point on. They never trailed. Right, These runs just kill the Pacers, and it's so bizarre that they have this problem this is the first time it's happened kind of twice. Not the first time, but one of the first times it's happened twice in the same game. Like they crawl out of the hole they dug themselves and still lose from a big run. But they, they've got to figure out how to get over this hump. And it's like the same starting five that started the third quarter off pretty well was awful to start the game. The same bench unit that was great in the in the second quarter to get the Pacers back ahead was not so good in the second half, right? It's, it's not necessarily a lineup thing. It's just sort of something that befalls this team with runs that they can't do well in this game. So I would say there's about a 15-minute stretch where the Pacers looked much better than the Heat in this game. But in the end, the Heat get it done. Their foul shooting was tremendous. Their defense on Tyrese Halberton was really good. Some of the best that we've seen all season. And in general, their game plan and game flow was really good. Bam Adebayo, 38 points. Jimmy Butler, 25. The Heat are rolling right now. They're much better than they were early in the season when the Pacers played them. And that's all great. And the Pacers lost. They've lost 13 to 15. They're 12th in the East. They have to play better. We'll really dive into their play, I think, next week again when the trade deadline's over. But one more topic from this game that's very key. And a lot of fans are asking about it. And sometimes fans ask about stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't, does this doesn't, like, yes, it's my job to, to help relay information to fans, but like, I don't think this is as big of a story as people are making it out to be. This one, it was. Benedict Matherin did not play very much. Benedict Matherin played 13 minutes and 26 seconds. That's the lowest he's played in a game all season by quite a bit. In fact, he's played 20 or more minutes in every game this season, except for one. In that one, he played 19 minutes and 34 seconds, which is basically 20 minutes. Uh, ironically, that game was also against the Heat. So maybe it's something about the Heat specifically that takes Matherin out of his game. Uh, that is an unacceptably low amount of minutes to me for Benedict Matherin. They drafted this guy six. They love the way he plays. Right, he's going to the Rising Stars game. They, they love his his personality, his tenacity, his aggressiveness. Teams have adjusted to him. Teams are better at defending him. The Heat were in this game, even if he's ineffective with where the Pacers are this season and where they would like to be. He should be playing more than twenty minutes every game. He should probably be close to thirty minutes every game. If we're being quite honest, thirteen is far too little. Now, looking at this game specifically. He was not particularly good. In fact, he was pretty bad. He had some defensive lapses off the ball. Jimmy Butler was driving by him kind of with ease. He missed both of his shots. Okay, that, that's all bad. He was not playing well in this game. I hear that. Young players have to grow through that kind of thing, and he was not given the chance to do that in this game, and I think that was a mistake. Um, I, I think probably all of us would have asked uh, Rick Carlisle after the game about it. Dustin Doperic was the one who ultimately did it, but Rick Carlisle gave kind of a shorter answer on why uh, Benedict Mather didn't play that much. He said, coach's decision. Other guys were going good, so that's it, right? And I and usually those shorter answers, I want to know more, um, but that's what Rick Carlisle gave us, and I think there is more to it in this specific game. I think there was you know, maybe a moment that happened that uh, that frustrated someone and they didn't play anymore, but I thought Matherin should have played more in this game. I have no idea why it wasn't truly more besides that explanation that Carlisle gave us. I think he has to be playing more than this. I think most people realize that, and 
The Pacers do too, right? I, I think it's fair to criticize them for this game, also recognizing they have mostly played him much, much more than they did in this game. This becomes a problem if it's a pattern, right? If on Friday against the Suns, who, holy crap, they now have Kevin Durant. Um, if it happens again, that's certainly concerning and something the Pacers should address. But for one game, you know, it's bad. And I think it's something the Pacers deserve criticism for. If it becomes a pattern, it becomes something that deserves a lot more questions. Um, but yeah, it, you know what? Benedict Matherin should play more than he did in this game. We'll see what it ends up becoming of it. He wasn't playing particularly well, but he should learn or he should be given the chance to learn how to play through his mistakes and improve as the game goes on. Something he proved, by the way, to be very good at early in this season when given lots of chances. He's a very good in-game adjuster. That was why the Pacers were so good at all these fourth-quarter comebacks early in the season. So I would like to see more Benedict Mather, and I think most people would. It did not happen in this game. We'll see if it becomes a pattern tomorrow. All trades, all trade deadline stuff, what the Pacers do, what didn't happen. How does it affect the Pacers? Where do they go from here? We'll be breaking it all down here on Lockdown Pacers, and I'll be tweeting about it at TEastMBA on Twitter. The show is at Lockdown Pacers. Hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.